This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS sports podcast. I am Mike Casaza, stepping inside the transfer portal at West Virginia University Basketball, joined by Chris Anderson. Chris, you stood in front of the angry mob. You stared down the pitchforks and the torches. You put together a hot board, a watch list, a who's who of possibilities for the Mountaineers, the portal, the 23-24 season. I believe you've been reelected. Congratulations. I just want you to know that, yeah, it should be like a target list or a watch list, but I wanted to call it a hot board just to annoy you, just to drive you crazy. Is this about women's basketball? Where's Where's your top 10 women's basketball coaches, Mike? What if I told you that I just didn't want to give it to the competition? There you go. It's a, it's a short track, right? Quick race. I don't want to hand the baton to anybody. It's not a relay, right? It's neither mm-hmm. marathon nor sprint. Real quickly on that, I think you're going to have news on that soon. I wish I knew more. wish I could share more because uh, I would. But first time AD doing something like this, small circle. And, and I will say this, kudos to Ren Baker. I asked him a question in the news conference that – was meant to elicit an answer, but also give me information. I said, hey, can you tell me about your search committee? Because invariably what some people will do is to try to impress the interrogator. We'll say, oh, we have this person and this person, and you know him and you know her, and uh, yeah, we got a really robust committee. In which case, someone like me goes back to my office and grabs my cell phone and starts going through to try to find the contacts that I have for those people. Uh, Baker said that, I'm not going to tell you that now. I will tell you that after the fact, and then we kind of winked and nodded at each other like he knew the game I was playing, but he beat me. So he, he effectively locked me out on his first search, which is pretty good. Kudos to him. I'm, uh, I'm not mad. I'm impressed. But I think you'll have news on that soon. Maybe an announcement soon. Maybe a pick soon. Uh, I Hopefully we can beat them toward the finish line. But we're not here for women's basketball. We're here for men's basketball. And some math is kind of weird here. 13 players, but they've been over 13 for a couple of years because of the COVID season. Then you have this thing with the walk-ons that are going on, but one of them transferred and one of them isn't even signed yet. That's coming in from the recruiting class. So this is very strange, but you whittle this down here. Two. Right now they have two. But even that could be four. Could be five. Could be a bigger number than what we have. Um Based on your discussions with people, my discussions with people, your conversations with me, how large do you think this goes? We're at two right now. They can give two out. Double that? Triple that? What do you think? 
at least double. Like I think four is basically the minimum at this point. Um, like you said, there's two current scholarship positions on this roster. Um, there were 13 last year with two quote unquote walk-ons in Josiah Davis and Jose Perez. The belief was that both of those guys would become scholarship players this season. Um, Davis transferred um, and Jamel King transferred. So you're down to 11. Add Jose Perez, you're back up to 12. But then you take away the three guys who have exhausted their eligibility. Or excuse me, you're at 15. Yeah. Let me start over. Oh, boy. Saying this is the point. (laughs) Yeah. You start with 13, take away the three guys who have exhausted their eligibility kedrian johnson eric stevenson emmett matthews you're down to 10 okay add perez on that gets you to 11 davis transferred so he's out and doesn't count so we're still at 11 then you add uh or you take away king you're back down to 10 because jamel king transferred add omar silverio who has already committed as a transfer you're back up to 11 the maximum scholarship players is 13 but like you said there's two but we've already seen them work around that that cap by what do you want to call this? I think I refer to like NIL walk-on spots where things kind of get worked out. And so even if no one left, I could see them taking three, maybe four. But I think you know, it's not a stretch to say that most likely at least one more player who has eligibility remaining will not be back. For the next season, right? I want to put a pin into that and get to that point because that's, man, that's a that's a tough conversation to have, but you have to have it. But getting back to what you said, the NIL scholarship—I don't know what you call it. Here's my question, Chris: the cost of attendance here is is pretty high. Tuition's high if you're out of state. That's a good amount of money. I think we know the identity without using a name of a player who might profile as that, which means somebody who is currently on scholarship. But they might call him into a meeting and say, listen, you can leave and not have a scholarship. You can stay and get some NIL money. The profile of that person is such that I don't know what car dealership or wing restaurant or bar or outfitter is going to be able to cumulatively or individually pony up the money to equal that scholarship check. That's very difficult because that person is not a needle mover. If that person was a needle mover, you wouldn't be asking for his scholarship back. That's a huge challenge. And to presume that that's going to happen, that's optimistic. It may be realistic. But here, as I am on the day before April Fool's Day, color me suspicious that that can actually happen. How long of a shot do you think that is? You know, Not on an 85-man football roster, not on a football team that in, in many corners of college athletics is bigger than a basketball team. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case at West Virginia. In fact, the NIL apparatus is better for basketball than it is for football. I don't think there's any question about that. And then throwing country roads trust, and I think that's a pretty safe statement. But if you're going to take scholarship player 13 and say, you can stay or you can go, but if you stay, you're foregoing your scholarship and you're going to make NIL money, I don't know that that works. And then you're going to have to run that guy off, and then you know you don't have that part that you otherwise like and wouldn't mind having because, by the way, they're going to need a lot of people to have depth, maybe 14, maybe 15. I should I say, I don't know if I want to say the quiet part out loud here, but the thing is, if you are talking to, and the school cannot talk on behalf of a recruit to companies to provide them NIL money, but 
the wink, wink, nod, nod here is that the company, the donor, the whomever is not paying for scholarship number 13 player X to stay at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. They are paying scholarship player X number 13 to not be on scholarship so that NBA draft prospect number one can be on pro on. So it's like, essentially you're making the pitch to the business, the donor, whomever, Hey, this money is going to go over here to player X. But really what you're doing is facilitating a way for us to get NBA draft draft prospect Y on our roster. So help us out, make it happen. Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, all of that is maybe again, murky allowed, not allowed who, who, whatever. I don't think anybody's really playing by the rules, but I think that's frowned upon, but that's kind of the move, the, the, the pitch you're making here to businesses, donors, and IL people. Yeah. So let's just, let's use names. I don't care. Let's use names. Let's say that West Virginia gets two more players and one of them is not Kerr Creesa. Let's say that he drags us out and goes to Xavier a couple weeks from now. There's some there's some dead periods here that will complicate and, and prolong this decision probably. But let's just say that West Virginia gets a, a wing and a guard, and they're done. They got 13. Tucson comes back. Mitchell comes back. Bell comes back. They're full. They're 13. But let's just say all of a sudden that Creesa calls Jay Coons, the director of personnel, and says, hey, I want to make this happen. There's no way Jay Coons is going to say, Sorry, man, you're a little slow on the draw. I already filled your spot. They're going to make that work, which means they're going to do a couple of things. And you might say, easy thing, go NIL scholarship for Pat Sumnick. Take him off scholarship, give him some cash on the side. Can they do that? Sure, they can, but can they get in that cash? I don't know. The more realistic thing would be have Creesa walk on and just give him the NIL cash, right? you're much more likely to get money for someone of Crease's profile. Or, for example, induce Trey Mitchell to come back and say, you're going to make seventy-five grand here doing an NIL thing, but you're going to walk on. Those things, like that sounds maybe like a more attractive way. You don't hurt Pat Sumnick's feelings. You don't ri- risk losing Pat Sumnick. And you get the player or the players that you want by using a lot of NIL capital toward a Creesa or a Mitchell in those scenarios that I mentioned. Trouble is, a Creesa or a Mitchell is going to want his scholarship Plus the NIL, which is going to be a tricky thing, which means then you have to have that conversation with someone like a Pat Summick, which is very hard. I don't know how they do this, and I know this for sure. That's not what the NIL is supposed to do. It's not supposed to give you a 14, 15, 16 scholarship. It's not. And then as I watch around the the congressional discussions and see them trying to uh, not make fools of themselves and how they're going to solve this, when they pulled a governor out of office to run the NCAA, um, he's meant to be a change force. He seems like he's just taken the office that was occupied before him. That's not optimistic. And they're not having the conversations that matter, which is stuff like this. Like you're not supposed to create scholarships with this, but whole other tangent. My bad. I apologize. Let's go back to your, your board, your list, Chris, your thumb of my eye, if you will. Names on there that a lot of people have mentioned that we've reported on before too, but a couple that didn't really register, I think for some people now, but the quiet part, as you said, has been spoken out loud, typed out loud. How about that? We're not going to recite what we wrote. We're not going to give it away for free either, but quantity, quality of targets right now. What struck you about your work, my work, our conversation with one another about this? 
I think I think it's good good that we went on this tangent because your description of the Kirk Kreese situation perfectly encapsulates what um, quote top target means uh, for those who are familiar with our site on a standard recruiting target list for football, basketball, whatever. There are four categories: top target, high choice, interested, and scouts look. Um, scouts look is what it sounds like. You're just kind of peeking on guys, touching base, maybe inviting them up to camp, but no offer. If you're an interested, you almost certainly have an offer, but it's unclear if that's committable. I mean, again, a lot of this con- these descriptions here are more football related because basketball is a little clearer. And then high choices. You're definitely a take right now. You have a scholarship. You're definitely a take right now. And there's a chance you're always a take, but there's also a chance that somebody else takes your spot and you're out. And then top target is that guy that you are going to find a way to get him in the class no matter who commits or when. And so you describing that situation where other people fill the final two spots and then Krisa comes calling, That's and, and you make it happen, that's why I have him as the only top target at the moment on the hot board for West Virginia in the transfer portal. And, um, you know, I think it's just, it's not just because he's, he visited. Like the the thing is he visited because he's a top target. It's not the other way around. Um, They they wanted him on campus. They're, they're touching base with a lot of guys and I'll get into that more in a minute, but he is definitively a top target while, you know, my board's got 10 ish guys on there. He's a top target. I think I got one high choice and then a handful of medium. And then, you know, I think you see people say, oh, West Virginia's in contact with X. There's probably 30 of those guys that, that you know, they, they are beating the bushes on a lot of dudes out there because, again, we're talking four, five, six spots here. They're going to fill a lot of roster spots with transfers. That's the only focus this cycle right now. I do not expect any late 2023 offers. Um I don't expect any late junior college offers, none of that. So this is this is where we're looking on this board. And it probably starts with these 10 that are on the on the VIP board right now. In two weeks from now, there might be 10 new more people too. I mean, there will be. Not not 10 replacing, but like some of those names are gonna come off the board because they, they've committed. But you're gonna have people who are out of the NIT, out of the NCAA play tournament. There's been a coaching change, they've had a conversation with a coach, whatever, and there's gonna be more people here too. So it's a really fascinating blend of like urgency, expediency, but also patience and pragmatism because the answer might be out there, but the answer might also be in a roster right now and could be in there soon. So that leads to the whole conversation of like a, a theoretical big board. I would imagine that they do homework on this here too. And they look at players who are in and then they scout them or have some ideas. But I mean, football has said this too. They, they have an awareness of players who might be leaving. They look at people they targeted in recruiting or they come across in competition who aren't playing a lot or who made through the grapevine be letting it be known they're leaving here. And then you have those people on a list. And then when they become available, if they're on your list, you probably have already done some homework on them and you can initiate that conversation too. Um, what, do you, what do you think a big board that we're talking about here looks like for basketball? There, if there was one in the office of somebody in personnel of basketball, how do you think that looks? Is it you know different sections? Is it just one long list of names? Is it a blend of your depth and needs and you know people from high majors, mid majors, people who are in the portal who might be in the portal? Is it just kind of a beautiful mind kind of a thing? Yeah, I think you're going to have multiple lists. I think you're going to have um, almost what we're talking about here, where you're going to have guys who are in the portal right now, 
and maybe even kind of sectioned out or starred or something like that of guys that, hey, priority, priority targets right now. These are the guys that are in the portal and we want a priority. And then other guys that, you know, you're touching base with, you're keeping in contact with as you evaluate all your options and how these current options fit with your team. And then maybe on the other side of this board or right next to it is a whole other column of guys who might be entering the portal because you're right. I mean, they, they, they do this in all the sports there. Are, and, and, you know, we hear it too, like guys, rumors of guys thinking about leaving guys upset with their role or guys who are playing at, you know, a lower level that are just dominating and people are like, Hey, that guy should be playing higher. I can guarantee that West Virginia football, West Virginia basketball, they have a list of players who are not in the portal that they think might be in the portal one day. And they got a list there and they're waiting. And the moment they hit that portal, they'll officially contact them. So I think that's part of the reason why, you know, everybody's itching for the, oh, get all these commitments and get it over with and done. No, no, no. Remember last year, it went all, I mean, it went almost the whole summer um, with like, you know, Trey Mitchell was a little later. They were still, they, dang near had Courtney Rainey. What I mean, I felt like that was way later. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Jose Perez all the way up right before the season started. That was a little different situation, but you don't want to tie yourselves to a guy that you're maybe like 70% on. If there's a possibility that the, you know, a hundred percent stud is coming out like in a couple of weeks and that transfer portal window, the first time for basketball, it doesn't end till I think it's May 11th. It's sometime in May. Um, so, we're, I mean, it, we're recording this in March. Oh, there's a notice. Um, so there's still plenty of time. And guys are entering every single day. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's a real rush to add too many guys unless they are just absolute no-doubters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think you're probably a little bit alarmed by a player who wants to commit right now, too. There's some no-doubt guys that, like, okay, it makes sense. He, you know, that's his head coach from another school, or he wanted to go here initially, and there wasn't a spot. Some of that stuff. But, like, if someone is saying, hey, I want to commit right now, why? I think you might you might arch your brow a little bit there, too. Let's talk about some of the players on your list here that just stand out. You mentioned Creesa, but if you look at the profile of some of these players, um, point guard is certainly one. Bigs, one. We've mentioned that. And then... I don't know whether it's intentional or not, but there are wings out there. There's not a whole lot of wings right now that we can connect to West Virginia or connect West Virginia to. I imagine that's temporary. Um, or is that just the quantity available right now? Or let me ask you this. 
does that say good things about Trey Mitchell's decision and perhaps the projection of a Josiah Harris? I think they they love Josiah Harris. I think that's that's a definite. Uh, whether he's going to be you know Big Twelve rotation, you know, fifteen twenty minutes a game next season, we'll see. I mean, I think he's trending that way, but this is this is a tough time for college athletes. Like you're in a world where if you are a coach or you are a director of player personnel or recruiting coordinator, whatever role it is you are in that determines the roster of your team. It behooves you to essentially target like a top 10 high school recruits. And after that, just say, all right, forget it, transfer portal. And you're seeing West Virginia kind of take that approach. I mean, 2023, everybody's like, hey, where's all the offers? What's going on for signing day? And I mean, I think he was joking, but even Bob Huggins, we had, we had a press conference or a media conference Zoom call with Bob Huggins at the early signing period, on early signing period day. And he cracked the joke like, oh, is that today? Oh, did that start today? And I mean, he obviously knows the recruiting calendar, but kind of hinted like, hey, we're not recruiting high schoolers this cycle, essentially. And it, it's held true. Uh, they are going for the transfer portal. For 2024, they're basically touching base with like a handful of high school kids that are elite, elite. And then going transfers again, yeah. probably. So it's it's tough to say for these high school guys, but I do think they like Josiah Harris, and I do think he could fill that void. I do think, uh, from what I've heard, Trey Mitchell is good to come back. Joe Toussaint, good to come back. Um, and we'll see what's going on with Jimmy Bell, the other senior who still technically has a year of eligibility. Has options, too. Leave it at that. On the recruiting front, though, Chris, I don't know that there's ever been a year in school history where they've had zero players in the freshman class. I'm not going to look that up, but I'm just going to suppose this is a first. That's not that's not a future you want to have. We're repeatedly filling or backfilling your roster and your recruiting classes with transfers. But you can also kind of do two with one where you recruit a young player. How much do you think they prioritize young point guard, young wing, maybe even young big? Young big, I don't know about because of development. It's, it, it'd be hard to be on the floor developing behind these guys. And frankly, we've seen their history of developing young project type bigs. It hasn't been great. Um, we'll see what Wagee and, and Okonkwo can do in that profile, but they're on the right track. But I wonder if, you know, if you're constantly putting in junior, senior from the portal into the point guard position or the wing position, every year you're looking for the next fifth-year guy, fourth-year guy to be a wing or a point guard, at some point it'd be very healthy to have a guy who's been indoctrinated in your system, probably especially a point guard because you saw a difference in um, the maturity of so many players, even before Kedrian Johnson, but let's just say most recently Kedrian Johnson, in that final year. How much room would you make? How much of an emphasis would you put on you know, getting your guys who are absolutely going to help you at the backcourt, in the wing, in the front court? but also someone who could watch this year and be ready. And then you don't need the portal next year because he's already on your roster. There's a young point guard who's going to be a sophomore, who's going to be a redshirt sophomore, whatever. But he's going to be able to spend a year, maybe even two, maybe a year, year and a half, like one year kind of compromised as far as playing time goes. But you're also going to have him for three full-blown seasons and maybe one and a half, two seasons that he's he's a contributor because he's been a part of this and 
you had him on hand. You didn't have to go break the glass and, and, and hit the portal for him just because one season turned into another one. I'm glad you asked this because it kind of gets me into my ideal point guard scenario for West Virginia. And that would be, and not toeing the school line here, but you had Creesa who has two years, at least two years of eligibility remaining. And you have him at point guard, Joe Toussaint, who also kind of a point guard, kind of an off guard, can do both. Uh, you can play them both at the same time because they do di- bring different things to the floor. And then you run those two, you add Creesa, and then maybe with one of your later transfer additions, it's a guy like, I mean, be quite honest, nobody on the list right now. Um, probably a younger guy that's coming out later who maybe redshirted this year and is looking for some place with more playing time. Somebody you had a connection with in high school that you think is already one year college developed and that you might be able to give some time to this year, just a little bit of time, not too much. Maybe as that third point guard, third guard kind of look. Um, Cause then you have Creesa as a junior, Tucson as a senior. And then whoever you bring in here is like a red shirt freshman or a red shirt sophomore. After that, after this upcoming season, Tucson graduates. Then you have one more year of Creesa as the, the senior point guard, your leader of your team. And then this third guard that I'm talking about, player to be named later. He's uh, now a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, and is taking on a bigger role, like maybe a considerably bigger role. And then he's in line to take over when Creesa leaves. I mean, obviously in the world of the transfer portal and guys moving all around, that, that may be a pipe dream. But I think that's an ideal scenario for that point guard spot because, like you said, it's maybe that spot more than any other is the one where you really see a, a kind of a jump in that second and third year. And not coincidentally, some of the players you have profiled multiple years of eligibility left. That's got to be the plan. Like get some guys who can come in and matter right away, but they matter because they've been good players and they are capable of switching into the Big Twelve and becoming a good player, but also being with you for a couple of years too. And, and you look at some players from different conferences, Mountain West, Big 12, places like that. They can help you with big or small positions, but big impacts over a period of time here, too. Finally, as we begin, begin to wrap up, Chris, we're talking big numbers here, two players, four players, five, six, who knows. Um, that's not great news if you're an incumbent player. If you are a one of the the players who has been here for one or two years, and there's, there's not many of them now, which that's kind of an endangered species list, I think, when you look at it, because um, – it's it's hard when you're constantly replacing talent with talent that's supposed to come in and play. That's a cycle that's hard to break through. You're putting an emphasis on veteran players from major college levels who have had major success. They're coming into play. They're not coming in to do an apprenticeship as a freshman or sophomore might do all the way back, I don't know, three years ago, right? But there's players in this roster that are endangered. I'm not sure that, that reality matches the perception of people who have watched and rooted for basketball here at West Virginia this past year, two years, however long. And if you listen to Bob Huggins, who's a loyal guy, he wants to develop players and let them, you know, spend a year or two on their bodies and their games and then be rewarded with playing time and adoration from the fans. And, you know, that could be difficult right now, but we're looking at the reality where a couple of these players who are on that track may not be here. And it may not be entirely their decision. It may just be a situation that is forced upon them because they realize what's happening. They can read the writing on the wall. It's it's a weird new world, but I also wonder if it's – is it that shocking when you look at some of the performances and the stats from some of the players who we are 
again, not mentioning, but I know we all know who we're talking about here. It's, it's, it's a guy like Seth Wilson. It's a guy like Kobe Johnson. They're in danger right now because of the way this is going. They have roles, I'm sure. I'm not sure it's roles they want. I'm not sure it's roles they were aiming for when they signed here, when they did, you know decided to put their head down and grind for a year or two years. But there are probably justifications for it, too, in a competitive sense, because while this season was better, it was not smooth. It wasn't unquestionably successful because, yeah, while they did get to the tournament, they were in the 8-9 game, and they had some some good moments and some bad moments, and again, they lost. And that's kind of indicative of the whole season. Um, I just wonder if 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 it should be that surprising, if it is that surprising, this is just the new normal right now. And and what does that say about you know the players who are on the roster and the futures that they have? Because it does seem like what, was ha- what happened last year wasn't good enough, and some of the people who were part of it may not be good enough to be trusted with what has to happen next. All right, Mike, I got an exercise for you, very much related to this conversation. You know, I talked about Creasa being a top target and you're making room for him pretty much no matter what the scholarship mm-hmm. situation is. I want us to take the current roster for guys who have eligibility remaining. So we've already listed there's 11 players at the moment. I want us to each take turns and you can pick to go first or second. I'll let you choose of guys out of those 11 who no matter what you're saying this guy has to be on the team has to be on the team i I, we can't take that transfer no matter how good he is because this guy's on the team like i mean not like we're not talking like nba first round pick like you're turning that away but say like a honorable mention all conference player wants to come join and you're saying hey we got this guy. We're good. How many of those guys are on the roster? And would you like first pick or second pick? Uh, hmm. I want I want the first pick because I'm not sure it's more than one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me, I'll play your game here, but this is the way I've done this and drafted this in my head. If you put all of West Virginia's players into a portal, like if you're part of a fantasy league where you don't have keepers, yeah, let's say everybody goes in the pool. How many of these players in the roster are you pulling out? Are you getting back in? Think of it that way too. Like, would you would you be like, yeah, Seth Wilson looks like a good guy. We should we should get him because he helps. Kobe Johnson looks like a good player. He'd help. You could do that with everybody. Wiggy, Conquo, down the list. And they have a saying this too. Don't get me wrong, but like, I wonder how many of those players you pull in. Be like, yeah, that's the guy we need. Um, to yours, I, we both say that Mitchell's the one, right? Yeah. Okay. And then after that, I'm not sure that there isn't anybody on the roster who could not be replaced. My second pick would probably be Toussaint because. There's something qualifiable about him that I like. Um, he he can perform. He can score. He can defend. There's definitely a role for him in a major college program. Pretty much everybody else, if I'm being honest, Chris, I I could have a conversation about you know an upgrade, a replacement, a, a supplement, whatever. Well, yeah. Well, since you get first and second pick, well, I, 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 I took the, the all right. So we, we <laughs> you took the first. You took Trey Mitchell, right? I would take Tucson second then. Um, Jose Perez, like, I think, like, again, we got to see how he translates to the top level. We've mm-hmm. seen guys who have excelled at a Manhattan or something similar, and then it doesn't translate to the top level. But in the way that West Virginia is acting and moving their roster and the effort they put in to get him and to try to get him eligible and to keep, and now to keep him around for another year. It seems to me that 
they believe he is one of those core can't lose guys. So that brings you to three. Do you have any more after those three? I think Okonkwo is a skilled player, potentially on offense, who can get there and is an impact player on defense sooner rather than later. And then I'm really having a hard time not opening my email <laughs> um, about any other player on the roster at this point. I agree, Perez. I, and you, not only that, you brought him in because of what he can do. You can't walk away from that yet. So I think that's that's a good pick, too. Thought about him maybe beside Tucson, but just the I don't know yet about Perez makes me wonder. Um, Oconco would be it for me. And I like that that might be it for me. The rest of them I could I would I would have the meeting, I think. All right. The only other one I'd add, and maybe not because I personally feel that way. I mean, I just I'll, I'll be blunt. I haven't seen enough of his game to have a um a true opinion, an informed opinion on it. But the again, much like Perez, the way that the coaching staff is acting. Omar Silverio, I think, is, is going to be in that group. I mean, obviously, like to your point earlier about taking commitments from transfers this early and wanting to commit this early, like West Virginia is not taking a commitment from a guy as early as they did, like before the transfer portal even opened for most players. Like he got in there because of his situation, coaching change and all that. Most players weren't even in the portal, wasn't even open to anybody. And they took his commitment, which tells me they feel strongly about him. So, again, I don't have an informed opinion on him. I haven't seen him enough to play uh, enough playing yet. He didn't play this whole past season. So, but the way they're acting, again, that's that's at least four. And I'm with you on a conquo. I think he's a guy that it's it, it just it feels like he's close, and it feels like he has the traits that can make him special, but. In the world of college basketball today, are you in the mood to, or do you have time to continue to let him develop um, on your roster or in your rotation? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, especially if there's an upgrade available. Um, that's that's going to be a good point, too. So there is interesting because there, there there's a couple ways to go here. You can't deny the Perez tie. Like, if you go get him, you you make sure that Perez is on your team next year. And I'm not sure that Perez is, like, the guy you absolutely have to have, but you put something in him, too. And, and who knows? You might have lost him to, I don't know, Patino's red wave up at St. John's. I don't know. There, there's some Steve Mazziello's there. Who's to say that, like, Perez doesn't say I'm out and, and goes there, and then all of a sudden Silveria's there with him, too, and you lose two good players. I don't know. There, that's just some weird stuff there that you don't have to worry about that now, too. Silverio also may not be the guy or a guy, but it's a team that needs depth. Like you saw that they did not have great depth in their backcourt. They didn't have a lot of versatility in their backcourt, whether it's skill or bodies. This is kind of a big guy who can who can ideally he's going to be standing alone and hitting threes because he committed himself to that. Um, I think he's like I think he's more of a guard than a forward, but he's got that David Roddy kind of game. He's not as good. That's an NBA guy with the Grizzlies, but he can be bullish. But also like if guys are going to get in the paint and kick it out to him. <clears throat> Joe Toussaint, Jose Perez, Curacrisa. It's a guy who stood still and nailed threes last year. He made seven in a game once or something like that. Maybe 11 in a game once, 11 threes in a game. Pretty good. So he can get hot, and that's that's a piece you need. Like, it's a little bit of versatility in the backcourt. It's divisive because it's so early, but I think that they're probably really high on him. Like, that's that's a, an older, mature, physically stronger player who's going to be hungry and is going to be playing one of his friends. I think there's a lot of, like, 
no question about it kind of idea to that too, but not everybody's going to agree with it as well. But again, is he a starter? No. Is he a guy who's going to give you big numbers every game? No, but he's going to be a depth piece. And this is a team that needs to fill out, you know, all corners of the roster. It's not just starting five or top eight. They're going to need, you know, 12, 13, 14 guys. So that's one of them. I don't, I don't think that's a problem, especially if you can afford to do it, which, which they can right now. They have the capital on a bunch of different aspects. Wrapping up. Where do they go now? Do you think this happens fast? Do you think it happens slow? Do you think it's a, a a bit of a drip, 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 and there's some now, some in the middle, some later? Your predictions here. Slow now because I think we are we just started a dead period or start tomorrow on visits. Um, so I'm not expecting any decisions quickly. And the, the, that dead period is, is pretty short. So it'll be back to it. More guys are still entering the portal. And so slow now and then drip, drip, drip. I, I'm not expecting like four transfers, like commitments in the span of like two weeks or something like that. I think it's going to be a lot like last year where, you know, somebody committed and then like a month later, someone else. And then a couple of weeks later, one, another one. And then you're getting into the summer and it's like, hey, I, West Virginia is nearing the scholarship limit. How are they still talking to these guys? Except this year, we're a little more familiar with how it's going to work and how they're going to make that happen. So, yeah, I think it's going to be something that's spread out over the next two to three months here. I agree. That's a good way to end it. Tell me I'm right, Michael. Tell me I'm right. Um, We're going to go right to the finish. How's that? Until next time. Uh, I'm Mike Sazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. He is right, Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.